Well, good morning, North Haven. How are you guys doing this morning? Thank you. It was a, it's a pleasure to be here with you uh, this morning. Um, and I know it was mentioned in the announcements, uh, but, but before we start, I just want to say thank you uh, to all of you who, who helped make last weekend our, our service Sunday uh, packing backpacks for Richardson. Uh, all of you who made that happen. Uh, like Lucas said, we, uh, we took in enough food and packed enough backpacks to, to last us the remainder of the school year. Um, and it, it, it just makes me so proud to serve in a church that takes serving our neighbors uh, so seriously. So thank you. You guys deserve a round of applause. Good job. And you know, this is a, uh, this is a big moment for us. We haven't been fully united in the last five or six months or so, but we're all in the same boat now. This week, we're in the same boat. Vikings fans, Packers fans, we're both out of the playoffs. And here we are. And it's, it's a shame, but at least we came out of this season with the uniting bond. Mutual distaste for the 49ers. So, uh, well, my name is uh, my name is Alex Mo. I'm the youth pastor here at North Haven. It's awesome to be with you this morning. Uh, pastor Adam asked me to continue the jumpstart series we're in this month, where we've been looking at at different aspects of our walk with God and how we can jumpstart those areas with the new year. Well, today we're we're going to be talking about solitude. Solitude is when we intentionally set aside time to be alone with God without distraction or others around to connect with God on a more intimate level. But if you're like me, finding time to practice solitude seems nearly impossible, right? Between work, kids, marriage, school, housework, hobbies, it's almost as if the time doesn't exist. And I was talking to my wife this week, telling her how I almost feel unqualified to preach on this subject this week, You know, as it turns out, having a a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home makes it uniquely difficult to uh, try to find time to pull away in solitude. And if you currently have young kids or have had young kids in the past or have nieces and nephews, uh, I'm sure you understand. And if you've been there, please only tell us that it gets easier, okay? But I can't imagine I'm, I'm alone in this, finding time in our hectic schedules to truly be alone without distractions uh, with God, it's a real challenge. And even when we manage to carve out that, that chunk of time, whether it's five minutes or an hour, we just aren't very good at it. We aren't practiced at this whole quiet thing. And when we get the time, our minds race with thoughts. You know, what's for dinner? When do I need to pick up the kids from school? Did I present myself well in that meeting at work today? The worries of life, you know, no, no matter how mundane they may be, they always seem to creep in and disrupt the solitude. And even when I've been able to take, uh, take the time and quiet my mind to be in solitude, I find myself starting to think, oh, wow, I'm doing really good at this. Look at me go, this isn't so hard. And then I've distracted myself again, right? So here's the point. It's easy for us to make excuses because finding the time to make solitude a part of our routine is difficult. It's difficult. And this morning I want us to look 
Uh, look at a passage, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Um, you can follow along on the screen uh, in your Bible. There's Bibles in the pews in front of you uh, or on the Bible app. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. And we're going to read a passage about two sisters who have the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. So starting in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So on, on the surface, this may seem like a uh, rather odd passage to look at when it comes to discussing solitude, as it isn't an example of any person being alone with God, right? It's Mary and Martha, they're together, um, but they each have the opportunity to sit with Jesus. One sister, Mary, chooses to let the distractions of life fall away to spend time with Jesus, while the other, Martha, can't seem to shake the distractions and finds herself working instead of taking the opportunity to be with Jesus. So while this isn't an example of anyone spending time in solitude, I think it perfectly illustrates the dilemma, the challenge we all face when when confronted with the need to be alone with God. There are too many distractions. We can't quiet our minds enough to let the dishes sit in the sink for a while or or we're too focused on wondering if we did a good job uh, on that big project at work today. See, Martha was distracted by the things in her life that needed to get done But in her distraction, she missed out on an opportunity to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Martha was distracted by the things in her life that needed to get done. But in her distraction, she missed out on an opportunity to spend time with Jesus. So this morning, I want us to spend some time talking about solitude. Mainly why it's important. Why it's so hard and how we can get better at it, what we can do to get better at it. So, first off, why is it important to spend time in solitude with God? Well, simply, Jesus did. Jesus did. That makes sense, doesn't it? I could probably wrap this up right now. Why should we practice solitude? Well, because Jesus did. Thank you for coming, everyone. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Um, No, no, I... You don't, you don't give the youth pastor the stage and expect, you know, I'm going to take all the time I, I have. Um, but seriously, Jesus was always slipping away to spend time with God alone. Luke chapter 5, Jesus cleanses a leper, goes off, to, goes off to pray alone. Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals many people, goes off alone to pray. Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000, goes off alone to pray. Luke chapter 6, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, goes off 
alone to pray. This happens over and over again. And it's almost as if when more was being demanded of Jesus, the miracles and the healings, he would feel the need to sneak away and spend time with God to recharge. And isn't that true for us too? It's those times that when we're overwhelmed by the demands of of life that we desperately need to be alone with God. And if Jesus found it necessary to make the space in his life to spend time in solitude, how much more important is it that we make solitude a priority? Secondly, I, I don't, uh, we don't take the time uh, that we should to stop and listen to God. You know, how often are our prayers simply a time where we rattle off a list of needs to God or, uh, you know, we spend time thanking him for how good he's been to us. And, and these things are great. We're told to do this in scripture. But our prayer time is usually dominated by us, right? What if God has some things he'd like to lay in our heart? Do we give him the room during these times of prayer to speak to us, to guide us, to correct us, convict us, affirm us? See, throughout Scripture, we have examples of God speaking to his people, and and many of these instances in Scripture uh, were when that person was alone. No distractions, just them and God. Moses and the burning bush Elijah, while he's on the run uh, in a cave alone, and God spoke to him through a gentle whisper. Abraham, when, when God made the covenant with him. Jacob, as he wrestled with God. Mary, as the angel told her she would give birth to the Savior. And the Apostle John, alone on an island, when he received what would be known as the book of Revelation. See, I don't think it's any coincidence that God spoke to these people in Scripture when they were alone. Now, I'm not trying to make the claim that if we just spent some time in solitude that God's going to show up in your living room and speak to you through a burning bush. I'm not, not saying that. But there is something significant that happens when we can let distractions fall away and spend intentional time listening to God. And I also, I also don't want to dismiss the, you know, the obvious power of gathering together as we have this morning as a church family to worship each week. God moves in times of corporate worship and it's important for us to spend time in conversation and Bible study with brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're missing something if we don't have times of solitude built in to the routine of our life. So third, we were were created with a need for rest, to take a break. In Genesis chapter one, after God created uh, for six days, he takes the seventh off. He rests, not because he needed to, but because it was good. It was a part of life. It's holy. God rested and he commanded us to take a Sabbath. You know, emotionally, mentally, physically, we need rest. If we don't take time to intentionally rest, we won't be at our best. We won't be able to give God and others what they deserve from us. Parents who are emotionally tired don't give their best to their spouse or their kids. Students who are mentally re- aren't mentally rested won't perform as well on tests or gain as much from class. Employees who are physically exhausted could get injured on the job depending on the work or at least they won't be as productive 
as well-rested employees. See, this should be the most universally acknowledged human reality, that, that rest is a holy thing, and God created us with the need for it. Solitude is a practice in rest. It's a practice in rest. And then finally, solitude helps recalibrate our lives with God. When we let distractions fall away, it gives us a chance to focus on a God who loves us, who values us so much that he would send his only son to die in our place. Solitude gives us the opportunity to be alone with ourselves without music or, or Facebook or work or texts and gives us the time to check in with our weakness and need for Jesus. In solitude, we're able to face the truth about who we are and how much we need the grace of Christ. And sure, this this is provided in friendships and, and marriages as well, but solitude not only provides us the time to examine our lives, it gives us the space to lay our weaknesses at the foot of the cross. Whenever I find myself in a particularly sanctifying moment with my wife, um, my, my first thought is not to bring this newly exposed weakness or shortcoming to God. No, it's I'm um, thinking about self-preservation, right? Or the next thing I'm going to say in response. But in solitude, there's no one else to talk with. Our shortcomings can be examined and, and held up to God to be redeemed or pruned away. But in those moments of weakness, wouldn't it be huge if we had a normal time of being reassured of God's love and grace and presence in our lives? Time in solitude provides that opportunity to affirm our identity as a child of God despite our shortcomings. So my hope at at this point is that we're on the same page as to the importance of figuring out this solitude thing out. But I also want to address what many of you are probably thinking this morning. Yes, we get that it's important, but you have no idea how hectic my life is, right? How am I ever going to fit in another thing? And we talked about it before. The lives we lead are busy. No matter what stage we're in, no matter what phase of life we're in, it never stops. We have school and studying and homework and social lives, and work, and kids to feed, and bathe, and and laundry to fold, and dishes to put away, and a floor to vacuum, and a marriage to maintain, and a project at work, and church activities, and small group, and the kids' basketball practice, and dinner to make, and oh, by the way, mom, I have a science project due tomorrow, and it's 9 p.m., and you don't have enough baking soda or vinegar to make a proper volcanic reaction, right? It's just too much. It's too much. But isn't that the problem? It's not a matter of fitting in time for solitude. It's that we've been trained to be busy. It's the culture we live in. If you're not doing something, you're falling behind. Like, busyness is a virtue. The implication that that just because you're busy, you're getting a lot of things done. And it's almost as if there's a laziness associated with a lack of busyness. That it's lazy of us to take time alone to be still. And then even when we find a few minutes to be still, we fill our times with with our phones or Netflix to be entertained. We have to fight that mindset. We have to fight that 
mindset. See, I would argue that if you take the time like Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus in solitude, you aren't ignoring your responsibilities. You're making sure that you have what it takes to survive your responsibilities. That if we take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did in solitude, we aren't ignoring our responsibilities. We're making sure we have what it takes to survive our responsibilities to be healthy for yourself and your family. And it's okay if there are dishes in the sink from dinner or laundry in a pile on the couch. It's, it's the exact thing that Martha was corrected by Jesus for, right? She was worried that there was too much left to get done, and Jesus said, Martha, just come spend some time with me, please. We need to be okay with the reality that things might not get done. But life isn't about getting things done. Life is about glorifying God. So what's the solution? How do we fix it? How do we fix this busy mess that we've created ourselves? I believe it's about prioritizing. Mary prioritized spending time with Jesus Martha prioritized the distractions. Mary prioritized spending time with Jesus. Martha prioritized distractions. And I want us to consider Jesus' life uh, for a minute. He was, he was always focused on the long-term goal. He knew that his purpose was to go to the cross, but that didn't mean he wasn't bombarded every day by people who needed healing or situations that needed a a perfect mediator or, or people who needed to be told the truth. You know, of course he was. And if we stop and consider what life was like for Jesus, we would see that our lives are kinda similar. We have a lot demanded from us. There wasn't any place that he went that there weren't crowds of people in desperate need of physical healing or spiritual renewal. And Jesus could have healed and restored every person he came across and would still have had more people to help. But he didn't do that, did he? Why? I think it's because he knew that his long-term goal was the cross by which everyone could be healed. Jesus kept his focus on the long term, which is why he wisely took time in solitude to connect with God. He wanted to make sure he was routinely connecting with his father so that he had the strength and endurance to finish the plan. And we get so caught up in in the daily to-do list that we lose sight of our long-term goal to glorify God, to lead our families, and to love and serve our neighbors. And in order to do this with endurance, we need to make sure we are giving ourselves time to be with God to renew our strength. If Jesus needed this, how much more do we? When we let busyness rule our lives, we are resigning to the fact that unnecessary things in that moment are of greater value than our spiritual health. When in reality, when we prioritize our to-do list, no matter how important those things are, we are setting ourselves up in the long term to fail to be effective in them. 
It's only by prioritizing our spiritual health that we can ensure we are prepared to be successful in all the other areas of life. Those dishes might seem like the most pressing task at the moment, but the reality is, is taking the time to connect with God without distractions is what will continue to give us the strength to complete those tasks with joy. So first, we need to commit to prioritizing solitude. Making a part of our routine, whether that's daily or, or weekly or monthly at first, we need to begin to start making time in our lives for solitude. But it's also about being diligent in the other areas of life. Sometimes we're, we're under pressure to get a big project done before the weekend. Or our kids have something every night of the week. Sometimes there are things that simply can't wait because our, our job or commitments demand it. And this is where we need to make sure we are using our time wisely throughout each day, getting what needs to get done, finished, so we have the freedom for solitude. Sometimes it's about prioritizing. Sometimes it's about managing our time well. Well, I have a question for you. And be honest, this is a safe place. We are family here. Does anyone still have their Christmas tree up? Thank you. I'm jealous. I am very jealous. Um, good for you. I, uh, I wish we still had ours up as well, but evidently, you know, November 1st through the end of the winter is too long to celebrate the most wonderful time of the year. It's fine. Well, anyways, uh, uh, Christmas isn't, you know, too far gone at this point, so we can think back to the Christmas story. And this year, as I was thinking about, uh, you know, the story of Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, uh, about to have baby Jesus in a stable, I thought about someone from that story that almost never gets discussed. He's always mentioned, but we don't ever spend any time thinking about him. Easily one of the more overlooked people in all of Scripture, the innkeeper. The innkeeper. I thought about the innkeeper this year, and I, I tried to put myself in his shoes as this, this young pregnant couple made their way to his inn that night, asking for a room. You, you, we know the story. He, he turned them down, didn't have the space. I, mean, I probably would have turned them down too. But do you think he knew that this woman was carrying the Son of God? the Savior of humanity, the Messiah. I don't think he did. You know, how could he? But I wonder if he would have known, would he have, would he have made room for them? Would he, would he have made room for them if he knew who the baby was? If he knew this baby would pay the price for his sins, would he have prioritized them and put them up in the king's suite, right? Whatever the equivalent back then is, I don't know. Um, you know, I wonder if that innkeeper had, had any regrets that he didn't make room for Jesus. And while we can't blame the innkeeper, I don't want to come to the end of my life wishing I had made more room for Jesus. I don't want to come to the end of my life wishing I had made more room for Jesus. See, prioritizing solitude is prioritizing the space for Jesus in our hectic lives. 
prioritizing solitude is prioritizing the space for Jesus in our hectic lives. Many of you know Billy Graham. Maybe not personally, but you know of him. Um, he used to be the most well-known evangelist uh, of the gospel of all time, you know, apart from maybe the Apostle Paul. But, you know, Billy Graham did preach to millions of people in his time. Um, well, Billy Graham, he was an incredible leader in our faith, you know, someone we can look up to as a model for life with Christ. But in his autobiography, he responded to a question that he'd been asked. Do you have any regrets? Billy, do you have any regrets? Do you know what he said? He said, I would spend more time in prayer, not just for myself, but for others. I would spend more time studying the Bible and meditating on its truth, not only for sermon preparation, but to apply its message to my life. It's Billy Graham's regrets. What is he saying? Billy Graham regretted not making more room for solitude in his life. Time in prayer. Time in God's word. I imagine Billy Graham spent countless hours in prayer and meditation on scripture, yet he wished he spent more time. He wished he spent more time. So my question for you this morning, is there room in your life for Jesus? Is there room in your life for Jesus? Is it a priority to find time to be by yourself in the presence of God? You know, what if we started prioritizing solitude over the dishes or over laundry, over Netflix, or, you know, we all have a lot of things to get done, but can't they get done later? As a parent of of two young kids, this seems impossible. You know, but once they go to bed, do I really need to make sure that the house is picked up before I spend time with Jesus? See, when we talk about making room for Jesus in our lives, some of you might be thinking, you know, Alex, Jesus is our Savior. We shouldn't just try to squeeze him in between dinner and bedtime. And you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. If we're only talking about making room for Jesus in our lives, we run the risk of of beginning to view God as just another errand on our list. You know, right after that return you have to make uh, to Ikea and right before the grocery shopping. You know, the God of the universe is not just another errand on our list. But if we don't prioritize solitude in a way that creates space in our routine to spend time with Jesus, like Mary did, we're going to lose sight of the, bi- of the bigger picture. See, the point of making room for solitude, of making room for Jesus, is that we can better understand how it is that we fit into what God is doing around us. So we can better understand how it is that we fit into what God is already doing around us. See, if we don't take the time to connect with God routinely, giving ourselves the chance to hear from God and be reminded of his grace in our lives, we'll lose sight of what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in our church, what he's doing in our neighborhood. If we don't prioritize hitting pause on the busyness to spend time with Jesus, our our lives just become a whirlwind of appointments and errands and chores and burnout. So let's prioritize solitude so that we can better grasp how it is that God wants to use us in our family, 
in our workplace, here at church and, and out in the community. Let's prioritize solitudes so that we can be healthy ministers of the gospel in every aspect of our lives. Let's make room for Jesus even when it's not convenient. Can you do that with me this week? Can I challenge you this week? Just set aside 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Be any day. Could be later this afternoon, tomorrow on your drive-in. Can we set aside 20 minutes this week to sit in silence? Cut out the distractions, turn a phone off, and just spend that time listening to God, connecting with God, spending time with God, sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary did. Can you do that with me this week? Let's try it. Let's see what God has to say. And then as we practice, as we get one of these moments of solitude out of the way, let's try it again next week. And then maybe 20 minutes becomes 30 minutes, or 20 minutes becomes 15 minutes twice a week. Let's practice this. We need to build it into our lives as a routine. Can you do that with me this week? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these people, Lord. And we thank you for, for giving uh, us an example in Jesus of uh, taking time out of a hectic, a hectic life to connect with you, to spend time with you alone. Lord, I ask that as we, as we try to practice that this week, Lord, I ask that you, you would quiet our hearts and still our minds and prepare our souls to spend time with you in quiet, in peace, in solitude, and give us the strength and the, the ability, the, the clarity of mind to be able to, to do that, God. We want to do it, but we need your help. So Lord, be with us as we, as we try that this week. And help us to remember to continue to make it a priority. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in your name. Amen.